I'm so excited to be here, but I'm excited especially for right now in the moments that we have together because I have to imagine that you chose this breakout because you believe that there is a chance that God has a purpose for you. Like you, I imagine you're here because you think like, you know what? I think that God might want to tell me a little bit more about what my future could be. And if that's you and you're sitting in this room, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for you because I really do believe that your future is bright. And I really do believe that there are some things we can do so that we don't miss what God has in store for you and for me. And I began to think about just this idea of the future and what God wants to do in and through our lives. And if I'm honest, I started thinking about like my life and my prayer life with the Lord. Can I tell you? If there was ever a topic that God and I circle all the time, and by God and I, I'm the one who's always like, can we talk about this again really quick? Um, <laughs> I, for like, it seems like my whole life, I'm like, all right, God, give it to me. You know, like, what's my future? I remember in middle school, I'm like, God, what do you have? And then I was in high school, I'm like, God, I want to circle back to this. I know I asked you in middle school. <laughs> I would love to know, what do you have now? And then I remember I was in college and I'm like, I had already said, God, whatever it is, I'm in. I believe that you're good. I believe you want to use me to do good. And I believe that your future is the best future for me. And I was so in. And I remember in college, I was in college right here at High Street. And there were a handful of us college girls that decided to go to this conference in Chicago. And I was stoked. I was so excited because, number one, I get to go to Chicago and check out that city. I was excited because it was like a bunch of my friends who we were going to hang out. I was really excited because I loved the speaker. She was amazing. But what I really hoped for, as I think about this trip, what I really, really hoped would happen is that at this conference, in this space, I was hoping that God would give me a vision for what my future could be. That's what I really wanted. And I already said I was all, I was all in. I was in Bible college. I was taking intercultural studies so that I could be a missionary, so that I could go anywhere God wanted, and I could do anything that he wanted me to do. And so I was so excited, but I just had no idea where he wanted me to go or what he wanted me to do. And I went into this conference, and I sat in this particular session, and this is what I was hoping for more than anything. This is what I was hoping that God would do. And I remember as I sat there, the speaker anchored her whole talk around one verse. This verse that I probably had listened to and read a whole lot of times before, but if I'm honest, I never really noticed this verse. But like her whole message was anchored in this one verse, and this one verse, oh my goodness, it just, it captivated me in that moment. It's like the Holy Spirit lifted this verse up and like met me where I was and he used this verse and I felt like this verse, it was so powerful, it was so pivotal in my life. And this verse, this verse has been something ever since that day in Chicago at a conference that honestly I have been using to every time I try to navigate a change in life or I try to navigate, do I pursue this relationship? Do I take this job? Do I go down this path or this path? This is the verse that I come to. And it's powerful and it's pivotal and it's the thing that I look back and I'm like, well, if I want to do this, is this going to align with what this verse said? Can I tell you what this verse was? This verse so helped me and continues to help me. And my prayer is that this verse would help you too as you search for what it is that God wants to do in and through your life. 
And this verse is Acts 13, 36. And it says, and David served the purposes of God in his generation. It's pretty simple. It's like a small verse. And David served the purposes of God in his generation. And I remember thinking, if there was ever a sentence that I would want said of me when I'm long and gone, like if there was a sentence that I could choose to be on my tombstone, I would want, and Tiffany served the purpose of God in her generation. I was just so captivated by this idea that I could make that big of an impact in my generation. And I remember thinking about David and thinking about his life, and honestly, the story of David is incredible. It blows me away what God did in and through David. I think about David's highlight reel. I mean, David had a killer highlight reel. David, I don't know if you've heard, he killed Goliath. David killed Goliath. David was the king of Israel. David wrote some of the Bible. David was like a warrior and a leader and a poet and a musician. David was in the lineage of Jesus. David was amazing. David was even described as a man after God's own heart. And when in Acts, there's a little bit of a review of his life, the sentence that best describes David is, in, is that David served the purposes of God in his generation. My goodness, that is so true about David, isn't it? It's incredible. And I love stories like David. I love like reading stories in the Bible of great men and women and how God used them in a powerful way to make a difference. I mean, I love seeing stories of how God took the ordinary and that he used them in an extraordinary way. And I can feel so inspired when I think about the stories in the Bible. And honestly, as I'm sitting here in 2022, I can look at those stories and think to myself, that's when it really was happening. You know, like back then in the Bible, that's when God really put his power on display for all to see. So good for David, serving in the purposes of God in his generation, because that's when God was at work. Good for Abraham, serving the purposes of God in his generation, that's when God was at work. Like I think that sometimes, if I'm not careful, I can almost detach myself from this narrative and I can think, I'm normal, I'm here, I'm just here to read about when God was doing something great. And if you're not careful, you'll make the same mistake that I have made before where I think, I'm so glad I get to look back at what God was doing. But here's what I know to be true. The same God that was alive and powerful and at work in the life of David, in the lives of the people in the Bible, can I tell you? That's the same God who is here right now in 2022. And he's not less powerful now. He is mighty and on the throne and at work, and he wants to work in and through his people. This is the same God. And so I believe that we can use this, we can use this verse as like the as the goal. Like if this could be what we are aiming at as we're navigating life, then this could help us navigate life and really embrace the future that God has for us. Because y'all, our future is good. Because God is good, and God is alive, and God wants to do something significant in and through you. You know, God, he chose out of all of eternity to put David in his generation. Do you think about that? Have you ever thought about that? And if so, if David was chosen for his generation, and then God looked at you, 
And he knew you before you were ever born. And he thought, okay, what generation should I put that person in? Because I have a purpose. And there is a generation that needs what they're going to do. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you. And I'm going to put you right here in this generation. And I'm going to use you in a mighty way. In 2022, it's no accident that you're here in this room. It's no accident that you are alive and that you are a young adult in this generation of right now. Because God has big things in store for you. You know, and as I think about the life of David, we talked about his highlight reel, but the truth is David was way more than his highlight reel. He was a real person like you and I. He had ups, he had downs, he had really great seasons, he had seasons that he didn't understand what was going on. He felt what it, he knows what it was like, felt like to be disappointed or misunderstood or just totally confused with what God was doing. And I think if we look at the life of David, there are three things I want to share with you that I think are going to help us so that we don't miss this future that God has in store for us. Because, y'all, your future is bright. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, your future is bright. All right. Now say it like you mean it. Your future is bright. Now say, don't miss it. Don't miss it. All right, so here's the three things, all right? We're going to go with the first one. This is the first thing we can learn from David's story. And the first thing is this. You may feel overlooked by people, but you've been chosen by God. You may feel overlooked by people, but you have been chosen by God. You see, when we first meet David, he's actually the youngest in his family, and he's a shepherd, He's a shepherd boy, and we, you know what, we don't really think about, we're like, man, that'd be cool. I've never thought about agriculture, um, but maybe, maybe that's, what, that's what he was into. That's why he's doing it. But you know what, that's not why he was doing it. He was doing it because he was the youngest, and so he had to do what nobody else wanted to do. And so he was told that he needed to be the shepherd, so he was out there with the sheep doing what he needed to do. And this is where we pick up the story. And so there is a prophet in Israel, and his name is Samuel. And Samuel, God tells Samuel, Samuel, hey, I am about to anoint the next king, and I'm going to lead you to where that king is. I need you to go to the house of Jesse. And so you're going to go to the house of Jesse. It's going to be one of his sons, so go over, and, um, and I'm going to just let you know what, what, who it's going to be. So he goes over, and he's like, Jesse, guess what? God told me that the next king is one of your sons. Can you believe what Jesse was thinking at that moment? I mean, I don't have kids yet, but if someone said, hey, your niece is going to do something awesome, I would be like, what? Are you kidding me? And so, I mean, I can't believe the pride that Jesse must have felt as the prophet said one of his sons is going to be king. And so he's like, absolutely, prophet. And so he starts to parade his sons in front of the prophet. And so, I mean, the first son. And Samuel's like, God, is it this one? And he's like, no. Nope. And so the next one, God, is it him? No. Nope. And so he's just asking and asking. And finally we get to the seventh son, and he's like, God, is it this guy? And he's like, it's not this guy. So Samuel's a little confused because God said it was one of his sons. He told Jesse the plan. Jesse was supposed to pull all of his sons. And so he's like, this is embarrassing. I, he didn't say that part. Okay, I'm adding that part. But I'm he might have, you know, if he cared about what Jesse felt. And so he's like, I, I don't mean to insult you, but like, is there a chance? Just did you forget someone? Like, is, do you have another son somewhere? And so he's like, yeah, I have my youngest but he's, he's the youngest. He's like, he's a shepherd in the field. I figured you didn't want him. 
And he's like, go get him. I'm not sitting down till you bring him here. And so he brings him there, and that is when he is now anointed king. He's going to be the future king over all of Israel. But y'all, can you picture this? Your dad so thinks he knows the limit to your future that he doesn't even call you from the field to come to the prophet. We've been overlooked by a lot of people, but when you're overlooked by your own father, oh my goodness, I can't imagine how he felt. Dad, you didn't even think that I was worth calling? He could have just looked at me and said, no, but you didn't even think it was worth that? He was overlooked. His dad didn't think that there was any way that he could have a future as good as the future king. And so what did he do? He, he knows what it was, what he felt, he knows what it's like to feel under, under, um, he knows what it's like to uh, feel like he is miss, he's being missed and he's being overlooked and he's being forgotten. And when I think about how David felt in that moment, I just wonder, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you have been totally overlooked, totally forgotten? Maybe you tried to be a part of that sorority, but you weren't picked, you know? Maybe you applied for that job, but you were overlooked. You were overlooked for that promotion, Maybe that guy or that girl that you really like, they just overlooked you. Maybe your own family looks at you and says, ah, you, you'll do okay. But, I mean, not, you're not as awesome as your brother. I don't know what it is that you feel right now in this moment. I don't know who it is that you feel like has overlooked you. But you need to know something. The same God who saw David sees you. He sees you. And while you may have been overlooked by men, you are chosen by the God of the universe who sees you and who loves you and who made you and who has a plan and a purpose for you. And so when you start to feel overlooked, then why don't you turn to your eyes above to the God who loves you and who has a plan and a purpose for you? Sometimes we think, man, I'm, there's no way a good future can find me. You don't know my story. You don't know what's going on. David was not even brought in the house. He was in a field somewhere, and God found him. God can find you anywhere because he has a plan and a purpose for you, and he has chosen you. This is good news. This is good news. The second thing is this. Don't underestimate the power of the middle. Don't underestimate the power of the middle. You know what? David I can't imagine what that day was like, the day that he went from being overlooked to now chosen by God. I mean, after you're anointed as king, none of us know what that feels like, so I just have to imagine what that would be like. But I imagine, you know, the prophet leaves. Samuel's like, I can't believe what just happened. Uh, David, David is like totally thrown. I wonder if David, when he went to bed that night, was like, I'm going to be king. I'm going to be king. I'm going to be king. It's amazing. I, I can't believe I'm going to be king. He wakes up the next morning and he's like, I'm going to be king. I'm going to be the king. This is unbelievable. And so he wakes up, he brushes his teeth, and then he goes to his dad. And his dad goes, get out in the field. And he's like, dad, did you not catch what happened yesterday? Um, I was anointed king. So, and he's like, yeah, you're anointed future king, but you're present shepherd. So get out in the field, all right? And I wonder if he's like, uh, this is just not what I thought my life was going to be like as king. I mean, I've only been dreaming about it for 12 hours, but I really thought it was going to be different. Because, like, for me, I remember when, um, you know, 
in Princess Diaries, when Mia found out that she was going to be the princess, she at least started princess training with Julie Andrews. You know, like she, she was moving the ball forward toward what she thought was going to happen. You're telling me just to go out and be a shepherd? You know, like this, this was not what he imagined. And so here, this is like he has this brand new like future that's in front of him, a future that's so exciting, but his reality doesn't match his future. So he goes out into the field, and then he gets word. This word is kind of exciting for David. He gets word that Saul, the current king, has asked for David to come to the palace. And he goes, or wherever he was, you know, he goes, and so he goes. And uh, I wonder if he's thinking, oh, okay, it's about to happen. Whew, okay. I, I knew it was just going to be a little bit, and then I knew this would happen. I knew this would be good. And so I wonder if, like, as he's going, he's like, I wonder what, I wonder what Saul's going to talk to me about. You know, and so he's like going, he's like, oh, I just can't wait to be king, you know, and he's so pumped. He gets over there and he's like, he's still jamming out. And he's like, Saul, sir, nice to meet you. And um, Saul's like, hey, I hear you're awesome at the harp. I need someone to play the harp for me. And he's like, it's not what I thought was going to happen, but okay. So he starts to do that. Um, he, Saul really likes him. So he continues to serve Saul, and he start, he's, doing, he's serving Saul, and Saul's like, hey, I like you. Why don't you be one of my armor bearers? So now he's serving Saul. And if I was David, I would be thinking, God, um, I don't know if you remember, but you just anointed me future king. This is very insignificant. I should be doing something different. I should be doing something that matters. I need to be doing something that is going to take me to where I need to go. But right now it seems, it seems to me like you're wasting my season. You're wasting the season of my life. That's what I would be asking God if I was David in that moment. And David, he didn't just have a small season of waiting, a small season of wondering, God, what is it that you're doing in my life? He actually had a really, really, I mean, it went from, if you think that part of the story is bad, it gets way worse. And it is so hard. And you know how long he waits from the moment that he's anointed as king to the moment that he becomes king? 15 years. 15 years. He waits 15 years. You know, there are so many times in our lives where we may feel like God is giving us a vision of what could be, but our reality doesn't match that vision. And so we find ourselves like, I believe you, God. I'm going to do what you want me to do, and I'm so excited for what that is. But then you step into the next thing, and you think that next thing should match that vision, but really what you've stepped into is this middle. And this middle is so hard. This middle is a, the point where so many people choose to dip out on God's future for them because they're like, God, I trusted you in that moment, but because it took more than a year, it took longer than I thought it was going to take, I don't know if I can follow you in this. But see, David, he believed that even though he didn't understand that God still had a plan and a purpose, and he didn't waste this middle season because what God knows is that in the middle season, it's not a throwaway season. In the middle season is when he wants to actually put in you the character that you are going to need to sustain you when you actually get to the season that you are hoping for and waiting for. It's in this season that not only will he pour into you the character that you are supposed to have, he is going to develop the trust that, that's in, that, that you have for him. Because when you're waiting, when things are hard, you begin to lean on God a whole lot more. It's been in seasons of waiting in my life where I have grown to know that God is good enough even when I don't see what's going on. 
It's been in this middle season that God has developed me, that God has poured out his grace and his sufficiency for me, even when I don't understand, when he's given me just enough grace to take the next step, even when I don't know how long this middle season is going to last. And sometimes I wonder, will I ever be out of this middle season? You know, I started to think about after college, I was so excited to serve God. I, I wanted to serve God in full-time ministry. I wanted to work at a church. I wanted to be able to give every single part of me to what God wanted to do. I wanted to build his church and do amazing things. That's a good thing, right? Like, that's a great thing. And I was like, God, I'm in. I'm so in. And I was so glad because I got the opportunity to work here at High Street. But it was only part-time. And so I needed to still make my, like, make the, um, pay my bills. And I was, I remember in that season, I would work at High Street for some of the time. And then as soon as I was done at High Street, I'd run over to a restaurant and I would wait tables there. So at nights and on the weekends, I was serving burgers. I was doing my thing. And I remember year after year after year after year, I was like, God, how long are we doing this? How long is this going to happen? Because I have a bachelor's degree. And I'm embarrassed when I see my friends who also have a bachelor's degree and I'm waiting tables when I really am like, no, I promise I'm better than this. I know this seems insignificant. I know this feels like it's like a waste of time. But like I have to do this so that I can, you know, work at High Street part time and I can make a difference there. But God, I feel like you're wasting so much of what I want to do and how I can actually serve you. And I would have this wrestle with God over and over and over again. I don't know if you've ever been that way where you're like, God, I want to do something significant for you. I believe you've called me to that, and yet I found myself in the middle, and it doesn't make sense. It's not what I pictured. But you know what, looking back, it was in that season that God poured the character in me that is sustaining me in the season now. It was in that season that not only was God developing me, but he was allowing me to actually impact the people around me in a way that I never would have been able to had I been full-time at High Street. It was that season that I got to share the gospel with a lot of my friends. It was in that season where I thought, God, there's no way that I could be as impactful for you by doing it this way. Where God said, hey, I know you feel like you're only part-time serving me, but watch. I'm going to give you full-time results, and I'm going to show you how I can actually do the impossible when you think that I'm making you wait for no reason. And you know what? It wasn't a throwaway season. It was a season that God was building me and developing me. And you know what? I've been in other waiting rooms and other seasons in the middle since then. And because I was in that season when I was waiting tables, anytime I'm in a uh, middle season, I with confidence can say, God, I don't like it. I don't like it, but here's what I do know. You're still good. You're still God. You're still doing something, so I'm going to trust you. So remember, there's power in the middle. Don't underestimate the middle. And here's the last thing. The last thing is this. Don't limit yourself to your ability, but rely on God's power. You know, in 1 Samuel 17, it's probably one of the most famous stories in the Bible, and it's the story of David and Goliath. Oh, man, that's a good story. I grew up in church, so I saw the flannel graph. I know what it looks like, all right? And David, this young shepherd boy, and Goliath, this huge, giant Philistine. I mean, it's this epic battle where on one mountain, on this one hill, is the Israelites. On the other hill, it's the Philistines. 
And in the middle is where they would actually go to battle. But instead of all going to battle, uh, this big giant yells out, hey, why don't you send me one person to fight me? And guess what? If I win, you all have to be our servants. If we win, we will be your servants. That's how we'll settle this. And so what happens is he yells and he taunts day after day after day. And everyone is terrified of Goliath because Goliath is huge and big and powerful. And there's no way anybody could actually beat him. And that's when David shows up and he sees what's going on. And see, David, he sees this story and he sees what's happening. And David, he actually knew this to be true. He knew that actually everyone is looking at their strength versus Goliath's strength. But you know what David did? He looked at it so differently. He knew it was not going to be an epic battle between David and Goliath because if it was, Goliath would have won. He looked at it so differently. He looked at it like, hey, this is a battle between God and Goliath. And since it's not me, it's God, I am confident that I can sign up for this because God's going to win. God's going to defend his glory. God's going to defend his honor. And this is what happened. Goliath was beaten by David, this young boy, and it made no sense. And it was this massive celebration for Israel. And as I think about this, as I think about this story, I love David's perspective. Because if he had shown up and he had limited himself to what he could bring to the table versus Goliath, he would have never signed up. But he didn't just show up with what he could bring to the table. Instead, he remembered the strength of the God who made him, the God of the Israelites. And he said, I'm pretty sure God could take him. Let's go. And God did amazing, amazing things. You see, when God is calling you to do something big, when he's calling you to do something, a lot of times it's actually beyond your capacity to do it, and it's beyond your strength. Did you know that? If your dream you can accomplish with no problem, you don't need God, it's not a big enough dream. It's probably not even from God. But if you actually know, hey, in my own strength, there's no way I could do this, but with God, I, could, I bet he would do something, that's when you know you're on the right track. It's amazing. You know, last week I was um, at a park with my niece who's two years old. Her name is Eleanor. And um, we went to this park, which um, I have to brag, it's on the beach. I have to say, it. the park was on the beach, I have to tell you. And so it was amazing. And so we went, and I was so excited. I love being her aunt. And so Eleanor is two, so she can't quite, like, navigate this playground at her full capacity, like when she'll be older, right? But we went there. There was this little girl who was super excited to meet her. And so it was like the three of us hanging out. This little girl was a little older than her. So she could climb higher. She could jump further. She could run faster. And we were doing, we were going throughout the whole place. And I remember Eleanor got a little more brave that day, you know? Eleanor's like, okay, okay. And so this girl would climb to the top. And so Eleanor would like try you know, and she tried and she tried, and Eleanor, she would get to a certain point as she was climbing where she reached her capacity. It was done. That's all she could do, and so what did she do? She reached, instead of just being like, that's it, and going back down, she looked at me, and she said, help, and so I reached up, and I would hold her, and I would help her get to the next level, and the next level, and the next level, and I'd say, I've got you, Eleanor. I've got you, and then we would go and do something else, and she would try her best, and then she would hit the limit, and then when she hit the limit, instead of just quitting, she would look at me and say, help. And I would help her. And I'd say, I got you. I've got you. And she was doing things way beyond her capacity that day. There was one 
thing that she is typically very scared of. We don't even go close to it. But her friend made her a little more bold. Her friend jumped on a swing, and so she wanted to do a swing. And so we were swinging. Her friend's doing it by herself. I'm holding her so that she doesn't fall out. And, um, and I, I would let go every once in a while. Don't worry, she was safe the whole time. Let go uh, every once in a while. And she would be brave for a second, and then she would go, ah! And she would reach out, and I would hold her hand, and I would say, I've got you. I've got you. And this happened a few times. And finally her friend said, I've got myself. And I was like, good for you, you know. And as I started to think about this interaction, I thought, oh, my goodness. How many times do we navigate our future and we navigate what we can do, much like her friend who was like, hey, I'm three. I can go pretty high. I can jump pretty far. I've got myself, you know. And we navigate the world like so proud of ourselves. But you know what? We would be a whole lot better off if we actually started navigating life like Eleanor navigates the playground. Hey, I know I'm only two. I know, she doesn't say this, is just what she's probably thinking, that I can't do this on my own, but I know I have an auntie who loves me, who is going to make sure I'm okay, who is going to help me when I need help, navigate higher than I ever could have navigated by myself, and I'm going to meet new heights. I'm going to be part of something so much better than I ever could on my own. And that's what David did. That's the whole reason we have this epic story in the Bible of David and Goliath, because David knew that it wasn't his own ability that was going to limit his future. It was God's strength. And here's the good news. God doesn't have a limit to his strength. We serve an all-powerful, almighty, all-present, such a good God, and this is the kind of power that we have access to. And as I started to think about the story of David, and I started to think about how David served the purposes of God in his generation, I was just blown away that maybe, just maybe, we could do the same thing. Maybe, just maybe, we could serve the purposes of God in our generation. You know, um, last week, I got some bad news that um, one of our friends that we've known for a long time in the Philippines, I grew up with him, died unexpectedly of a heart attack in his early 50s. And his name was JR. And I remember just last week, I would talk to my family, and we were just trying to process, like, oh, man, we love JR. You know? Like, he was so fun. He was like, he was, everywhere we went that he was there, he was the life of the party. He was always playing a joke on me or a prank on me or something. And like, he was just, he was awesome. And I just remember thinking, God, like, what in the world? Are you kidding me? He's gone? Like, it just seems so tragic that in his early 50s, he would be gone. And I remember I saw a video that came across Facebook of his story that was actually produced a few years ago. So I watched this video, and I remembered with tears in my eyes, I got to remember JR's story. And y'all, JR has a pretty awesome story. JR is this Filipino man that God used in a big way. He partnered with our family for decades. He worked with my uncle in the Philippines. And I remember um, in this video, JR recounts how my uncle was asking him, JR, what are you passionate about, man? And he said, I would love if we could like be a part of a movement that built a camp, like a camp for teenagers to find Jesus. But not just a camp for teenagers to find Jesus, a camp for teenagers who don't go to church. 
who like have no idea about Jesus. Like what if we built a camp for them and that way they could find Jesus and they could get saved and their lives could be transformed. And my uncle said, that's awesome. How many people would be your dream? What do you want to do? And he's thought about it and he said, you know what? If we could ever build a camp where a thousand teenagers could come, that would be beyond what I could ever imagine. That would be amazing. And then they started building it. And JR, along with the team, man, he was a major part of this. And they built it year after year and year after year. And, and not only were they building camps in the Philippines, but they were expanding to Cambodia and Thailand and Pakistan and in different countries in Africa. And just, just uh, over the last 20 years, we have seen millions of people come through these camps. And not only that, just a few weeks ago, they celebrated a million people saying yes to Jesus. A million people. A million people are going to heaven instead of hell. And you know what? He used JR to do it. He used JR. And I started to think about JR, and I started to think about this verse, and I thought, you know what? JR served the purposes of God in his generation. And there's so many people who are going to experience that. And they're going to see JR in heaven. And JR is going to say, man, I'm so glad you're here. This is beyond what I could have ever imagined or dreamed. I mean, JR served the purposes of God in his generation. And I think about my life. Man, I want to make an impact. You know, I want my life to matter. I want, my, my, I want to serve the purposes of God in my generation. And I think over the last week, I've just been reminded that life is short, you know? Life is so short. JP talked about it yesterday. So if we can make our life matter, and we can't make our life matter, but if we can submit to the God of the universe who actually has an amazing purpose for you, what could happen? You might be dreaming a thousand, but God's got a million, you know? And so my prayer for you is this. As you are exploring, what is it that God has put me on this earth for? What is it that God wants to do in and through me? My prayer is that you would be so inspired by this verse, that you would be so inspired by the story of David, that maybe, just maybe, at the end of your life, people would say about you, you serve the purposes of God in your generation, and the world will never be the same. And I'm so grateful that God gives us a good future. I'm so grateful for that, aren't you? I'm so grateful that we don't have to figure out our future by ourselves. I would be so lost if I didn't have these conversations with God on the regular. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I want to serve you. And because I have these conversations with him on the regular, he guides me and he directs me. And this is a verse that he has used over and over and over again. And so my prayer for me is the same prayer I have for you. Could it be that God wants you to serve the purposes of God in your generation, in your city, in your town, in your life? That would be incredible. There's no telling what could happen. There could be so many JRs. If everybody at Young Adult Conference decided to do that, could you imagine what we would do with 700 JRs around the world? God could do something so significant. So if we don't want to miss it, if we want to serve the purposes of God in our generation, we need to make sure that we remember that when we feel overlooked, you are chosen by God. We don't want to underestimate the power of the middle, and we don't want to limit ourselves 
to our ability, ability. Instead, we want to remember the power of the God who we serve. So what I'd love to do is I'd love to pray for you, and, um, and, uh, and then we'll head out to our next uh, breakout session. Lord, I come to you right now, and I thank you so much for everyone in this room. Lord, I thank you that they're leaning in to what you might have to say for them. Lord, we thank you for the life of David. We thank you that he served the purposes of God and his generation. And Lord, I pray for every single person in this room. Lord, would you use them in a mighty and a powerful way? Lord, would you remind them that you chose them? Would you remind them that there is no throwaway season, but that you are working even when they don't see it? And would you remind them that their limitations are not based on them, but on you, and there is no limitation with you? Lord, would you bless them? Would you keep them? Would you make your face shine upon them? In Jesus' name. Amen.